0: The prophet Isaiah wrote what are called oracles. Those are prophetic predictions of what God would do to various nations. They were pronouncements of judgment. In these pronouncements, we find a wonderful truth. God is and always has been sovereign. He's in complete control over the people of the earth. Whether they believe in him or not, why would we trust anyone else? Stephen's calling this lesson, Unrolling the Scroll of History.
1: Edward Gibbon, the author of that classic work, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, once wrote that history is little more than the register of crimes and misfortunes of mankind. Well, I would say that's a rather pessimistic view of of world history. A little more positive perspective was given by a former American president, James Garfield, who said that history is the unrolled scroll of prophecy. In other words, history shows us how God was indeed in charge. You see, history is his story. Well, today in our wisdom journey, we're going we're gonna to watch as Isaiah unrolls the scroll of history. A number of chapters around this theme as, as he delivers one prophecy after another about the judgment of God against one nation after another. And it begins here now in chapter 13 with the oracle against Babylon. Isaiah says in verse 1, the oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amoz saw. Now, the Hebrew word for oracle actually refers to a burden that you have to carry. And let's not miss it. These these prophecies were a burden for Isaiah to carry. The prophet isn't just rattling off you know, judgments without any compassion or feeling any sorrow. Let me tell you, beloved, any true preacher today, any believer for that matter, who delivers the gospel feels this kind of burden. We're delivering both the hope of the gospel and the warning of God's coming judgment to those who refuse to follow him. That's a that's a heavy burden. Well, I want you to notice what Isaiah says now here about Babylon in verse 19, and Babylon— the glory of kingdoms, the splendor and pomp of the Chaldeans will be like Sodom and Gomorrah when God overthrew them. You know, you can go to this very day, to the region of Sodom and Gomorrah where they are located, and you can see layers of burnt ground. You can pick up little balls of sulfur the size of golf balls, even today, lying right there on the surface. God had sent them down to burn those cities to the ground. Isaiah says, well, that's the future of the defiant empire known as Babylon. Listen to the arrogance of Babylon's future king here in verses 13 and 14 of Isaiah chapter 14. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I'd say this is a pretty arrogant king, and his fall is going to be great. I also believe this defiance describes the pride and rebellion of Satan himself, the highest of the created cherubim, this angel who tried to overthrow God. Well, he had a great fall, didn't he? Now, in spite of that fall, Satan is still at work in every age But let me tell you, Satan's already defeated. He's on a leash. He can't do anything to you or anybody else unless God permits it. Well, chapter 14 closes with an oracle concerning the Philistines. They rejoiced when King Ahaz died, thinking Jerusalem was finished forever. Isaiah predicts, however, that the Philistines will fall to the Assyrians, which they did in 711 B.C. And let me just say, beloved, You've never met a Philistine today. That nation is gone. There's no Philistine ambassador at the United Nations, is there? But there is an ambassador from Israel, whose capital city is Jerusalem. Well, now here in chapters 15 and 16, uh, we have God's judgment on the people of Moab. They, They were bitter enemies of Israel. Isaiah here just sort of unrolls the scroll of history a little farther along. He tells us here in chapter 16 that Moab will fall. They'll be crushed by the Assyrian Empire. Chapter 17 now presents an oracle against Damascus. That's the capital of Syria. Uh, Israel had chosen the help of Syria over uh, asking God for help. You may remember Isaiah basically tells them that that was a big mistake. Here in verse 1, he prophesies, Damascus will cease to be a city and become a heap of ruins. But with that, the next nation that Isaiah mentions here is the the future of Cush. Cush— lived in modern-day portions of Egypt and Ethiopia. They, they were allied uh, with Israel. In fact, Isaiah prophesies here in chapter 18 and verse 7 that they're going to bring an offering of thanksgiving to God for having destroyed the Assyrian Empire. Well, with that, we have an oracle against Egypt Here in chapter 19, in fact, the first 15 verses describe the judgment coming upon Egypt. This particular oracle unrolls the scroll of history all the way to the second coming of Christ. If you can imagine it, we're told that there will be a a host of believers coming from the kingdoms of Egypt and Assyria. They're going to worship the coming Messiah, King of Israel. Of course, this is a reference here to the future millennial kingdom, but listen to what Isaiah says here in verse 24. In that day, Israel will be the third nation with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance." i got to tell you, as the scroll is unrolled, these are some surprising converts. So don't overlook this, beloved. Don't count anybody out. That person you think would never bend their knee to God just might become a wonderful testimony of faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ as Savior. There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Well, now here in chapter 20, God instructs Isaiah— to walk around Israel barefoot and without an outer garment, essentially naked in that day, and to do that for three years. You know, you might think God's asked you to do some difficult things and then later on realized, uh, you know, what he had in mind. Well, God explains himself here in verse 3, "...as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot for three years." so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptian captives and the Cushite exiles naked and barefoot. Well, with that, we move into chapter 21 where Isaiah delivers here in verse 1 the oracle concerning the wilderness of the sea. This refers to southern Babylon near the Persian Gulf. Verse 2 tells us that the Elamites and the Medes are going to attack Babylon like a, a whirlwind, and Babylon is going to fall. We're going to see that victory, by the way, described over in Daniel chapter 5. will take a little longer time then. We're going to learn that those nations are also joined by the Persians. Now, as Isaiah further unrolls the scroll of history here in chapter 21, we have an oracle concerning Edom. Edom is given the promise that the Assyrian oppression isn't going to last very long. And following that, we have an oracle about Arabia. Isaiah prophesies here that uh, uh, Arabia isn't going to last more than a year before they're overrun by the Assyrians. With that, now chapter 22 opens here in verse 1 with the oracle concerning the valley of vision This is a a rather rare name for Jerusalem. Uh, The city of Jerusalem is going to be judged right along with the pagan nations, including the Phoenicians, described here in chapter 23. must have been humiliating for Jerusalem to be judged right along with these sinful nations that hated God. But God's going to keep his word. He's going to judge his people for their defiance. He's going to take them into this very painful and difficult valley. And let me tell you, they'll never forget it. But get this here. This is a valley that becomes a place of vision. In that valley of despair, well, down there in that valley, the people of Israel are going to recognize that God alone rules the world. In fact, Isaiah... I already said this back in chapter 17 about their restored vision of God. In that day, man will look to his maker, and his eyes will look on the Holy One of Israel. Maybe right now you're going through a valley, uh, that same kind of valley right now. The valley might be painful. It might be confusing. But did you know that that valley can become a place— where you get a fresh vision of God's faithfulness, of God's promises in his word, so that uh, you're not looking to anybody else for help. You're looking to your maker, to your Lord. You see, valleys aren't necessarily wrong turns that take you away from God's plan. Sometimes valleys, are they're right on the map. They are God's designated places where you learn more about him and you learn to lean on him like never before. And when you do, those valleys become places in life where you realize the scroll of your history as it unrolls. Your personal story is written by the hand of God who loves you, who promises to lead you as your good shepherd. Well, with that, we're out of time. Until our next wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
0: Amen. That was Stephen Davy in a lesson he called Unrolling the Scroll of History. Isaiah made predictions about God's coming judgment. But you know, The Bible predicts yet another period of God's judgment called the Great Tribulation. Questions abound regarding that period of time. How long will it last? Is it literal or figurative? Do Christians go through it or are they spared? Stephen has a resource called The Coming Tribulation. We'll email it to you as our gift today. Visit wisdomonline.org to request yours. Before we end our time for today, I want to remind you about our app. The Wisdom International app will work with your smartphone, your tablet, or a smart TV. I encourage you to install that app to your phone. Then join us next time on this wisdom journey.